Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Running the option on first down. Hagan has it. He has Rome. He's got one man to beat. Now he pitches to Flanagan, and he may take it all the way. Flanagan's in for the touchdown. McKinley Wright from the logo. Got it. Oh, McKinley Wright. Welcome in to the DNVR Buffs podcast, presented by the American Raptors. I'm Henry Chisholm, and uh, we've got a couple things we're going to get to today. Um, first of all, we're, we're going to talk real quick about Nikhil Bitrand. Um, he basically decommitted from the Buffs. I'm not sure if you call it a decommit. He posted a top 10 today. Um, so the recruitment is very open at the very least. Uh We've talked about most of that, but we'll we'll talk about it briefly to kick things off. Mostly, though, I want to talk about the Arizona State game. Um, I haven't had a chance to write about it yet. I, I built like the outline and the structure and all that, and so this is going to be kind of weird with the podcast going up before the written thing, but I'm going to write that tomorrow and then probably write something else tomorrow. I'm headed to, to Minnesota on Friday for my sister's graduation, and so I've got to Got to work ahead a little bit. But, um, yeah, that's the plan for today. Uh, talk about Nikhil. Talk about Arizona State and what happened there. And we might as well just dig in. So, like I said, Nikhil Bitrand, he decommitted. Um, that's a uh, – I guess I don't even know that you could say he decommitted. I, I'm not sure. Like, all those words that recruiting nerds use, they all have very specific, like, meanings and – I'm not. I'm gonna stop saying he decommitted because I'm not sure if technically he's still committed. But then, this can still happen. I don't know. It, in terms of just like it, the Webster's definition of the word committed, Nikhil is not committed at all. Um, like I said, posted a top ten today, um, which means there's ten schools that he's considering. Colorado is on that list, um, and uh, I guess might as well just say Texas A&M, Georgia, Kentucky, Auburn, Colorado, Syracuse. Cincinnati, West Virginia, Maryland, Boston College. Um, 
I think, you know, it, it would be dumb to read into the order of these colleges. Um, but, you know, just looking at them, I, I think that if you were to read something into the order of them, it, the order would make sense, right? You know, you start with Texas A&M. Why would Texas A&M be number one on your list? They offer the most money, famously. Um, I guess, I don't even know, maybe Miami does, but I'm pretty sure it's Texas A&M offers the most money. Number two, Georgia, just won a national championship. Number three, Kentucky. Number four, Auburn, two SEC schools. Makes sense, especially because he's from Philadelphia. And while that isn't necessarily like close to Georgia, it is uh, a lot closer to Georgia and Kentucky and Auburn than it is to Colorado. Um, from there, you have Colorado, which again, it would make sense. It's where you've been committed. Obviously, there's some level of comfort there. You wouldn't have committed in the first place. Um, then Syracuse, then Cincinnati, then West Virginia, Maryland, Boston College. I mean, the order of those schools, if that did wind up being like the... I, you, you don't hear what the final order is, but you you know you just see like who the, who the one school you choose is. But if it did finish with like just results like it was a race and this was the order, it would kind of make some sense. But... I don't know. That's a conspiracy theory that is totally wrong, and so I shouldn't have said it. Uh, but uh, that uh, that that's the news there. Like I said initially, like we kind of dug into the Nikhil Beatrans stuff. I think that maybe that was Monday's podcast. Maybe it was Friday, Friday or Monday, or no, we did a Saturday podcast this week, didn't we? So probably Saturday or Monday. Um, basically talking about, you know, what big picture was this mean for the Buffs? What can the Buffs learn here? And I guess we might as well repeat the biggest takeaway, and you guys can go back and listen if you want more. But if you have all of these offers, I think that Colorado is at a disadvantage, obviously financially, and obviously they aren't winning as many games as these other teams are. Um, at least they haven't in the past, say, five years, whatever. So that alone makes you think they'd be facing an uphill battle. But the fact that Colorado got in on him early, I think he was the second Power 5 offer with Washington being the first, That uh, that's what put them in the driver's seat. And that's why I still think they have a really good chance of landing him. Um, you know, again, it, it's definitely not a good sign all of this is happening. Uh, and, and if I had to put odds on it, I would say that he does not wind up at Colorado. I'd say Texas A&M is the favorite, then Georgia, then i put Colorado next. You know, if you're, if you're picking an SEC school, how do you pick Kentucky, right? How do you pick Auburn over those other two? just doesn't really make a whole lot of sense unless there's something weird going on. You know, maybe he has a grandmother there or, you know, something like that. Um, so I, I do think that Colorado's probably third in the running based on a total outside perception of all of this. Um, but again, the reason they're in number three and not number eight or 10 or 12 or whatever is because they got in so early. And the path for Colorado to recruit guys is to get them early, you know, before other teams are in. And that's despite the fact that it does not look good when you're offering kids who do not have any other Power 5 offers. But here we are, and Nikhil Beatran's a big riser, and there's no reason to think the Buffs can't get him, although this does become one to watch. I guess one more piece of context, in case you haven't heard the whole backstory. As of now... Nikhil is the the number two recruit in Colorado's recruiting class out of the 10. Um, the gap between him and three and four and five, and I think six as well, very, very slim. Um, but he is the number two recruit. 
He's been rising, like I mentioned. He's a massive tackle. Some of the pictures you see, like the picture of him and Carl, hilarious. Hilarious. I think I, I might as well pull up. How big is Nikhil? Because he's, I, I want to say he's like 6'7". I'll, I'll say 6'7", 320. Um, they have him 6'7", 310 right now on 24-7 Sports, which is also where we get those recruiting rankings. Um, so, yeah, I mean, obviously it would be a, a, a big get for Colorado, a big get that we thought they already had. Um, I guess the the one other piece of this that I'll get into because we didn't before just looking at uh, the the future of the tackle position for Colorado, um, I don't want to say this is a place where you could lose a guy, but it, it, you've got some options there, right? Um, you know, the, the, the big one is Travis Gray, who is going to be a true freshman this season, so a year older. Um, you, you'd like to think that in his probably red shirts this year, um, probably competes next year, but doesn't get a job just because the line will probably stick all together. And then as a redshirt sophomore, takes over a starting job for three years. Again, if, if he turns out to be really good, he could unseat somebody. Um, he could leave early and not stick around for those five years, whatever. <laughs> but when you look at it, there's one of your tackles. Um, Jackson Anderson, he, uh, he the, the, the Texas kid, he's a redshirt freshman now. He's, I guess, two years in front of uh, Nikhil. Three years in front. No, no, no. Two years in front. Two years in front. Um, you know, Carter Edwards is coming in over the summer. Uh, who's another tackle. And so you probably have the guys. You know, Luke Eckert. Uh, he he was a freshman last year, redshirted Arizona. He was recruited to Arizona by Kyle Devan. Um, you'd expect him to probably fit into the plans if if Kyle's bringing him over from Arizona. Um, obviously, I mean, Jake Wiley is only a sophomore this season. He was a freshman last year, so you could easily see a world where he starts another three years. So there are options, um, at tackle. Although, I mean, with all these guys, with Nikhil being a year behind him, there's at least one year where he starts. If any of these guys pop, well then maybe they leave early and Nikhil gets an opportunity early. Um, if, if either of these guys or any of these guys just bust, you know, then there's definitely a path where you see Nikhil on the field. Um, on top of that, Nikhil's just a freak, like we were talking about with Travis. Yeah, I mean, he could just take a job regardless. So, and, and uh, the other big piece is that you, you can also move guys around the offensive line. Just because somebody lines up as a tackle initially does not mean that he is a tackle and a tackle only. Um, if, if you wind up in a world where, you know, Jackson Anderson, Travis Gray, Carter Edwards, and Luke Eckert are all really good football players, well, maybe two years down the line, those are your two guards and your two tackles, and you just have a super tall offensive line. Um, I guess Jake Wiley would still be around then probably too, unless he's off to the league. Um, and then all of a sudden you're freakishly tall. So, yeah, offensive line, when it's when it's been the problem that it's been, um, or at least was last year, it makes you really concerned when one of your top recruits leaves at the same time. It's not the end of the world, although adding Nikhil Beatrand would obviously be um, a very big, a very big piece moving forward. And who knows? And in the in the new world, like the the ideal situation might be he he takes the Texas A and M money, goes there for a year, 
red shirts, decides to transfer, and then swoops back around to Colorado, and then he can't transfer out afterward. So who knows? We'll see. But uh, I think that's it for that. Um, you know what? Let's take an early break, and we'll knock out all this Arizona State stuff at once. Real quick. Breckenridge Brewery has an awesome promotion going that you should take advantage of. The way it works is this. You uh, you go to their website, breckbrew.com, and you go to the page where you get to nominate a community star and send them to an Av Stanley Cup Finals game. Um, it's an awesome promotion. You know They, they wind up with two tickets, um, some gear, um, an, an Avalanche beer while they're there, um, Avalanche Amber Ale, the Breckenridge beer, and it's an awesome thing that Breckenridge is doing. So make sure that you're you're doing that. Again, you're you're supposed to nominate somebody who's a, a community star, ideally a two community stars who would go together. Um, and uh, yeah, it's a it's a cool thing. Um, and there you go. Uh, oh, also Breckenridge Brewery is donating a portion of all their proceeds of the the sales for the Avalanche Amber Ale through the playoffs to the community fund Boulder County to benefit Marshall Fire victims. Uh, so again, if you're looking if I don't know, here's what I'll say. Before I was a Breckenridge Brewery fan and now I just drink Breckenridge beers. I would go and look at all the beers and say this is overwhelming, which one do I choose? Uh, this is a good reason to just go with Breckenridge because you're actually donating to people who lost their homes in the, the Marshall fire. So uh, there we go. Breckbrew.com. Get in all this good stuff and drink some avalanche amber ales. Also, Sexy Pizza. Uh, here's another cool thing that's been happening. Sexy Pizza has been giving pizza to the Avs guys for their like, pregame show and all that stuff. And they like put it on the table and all. You know, it's a, it's a good promotion. But the better part is that we get free pizza because they sound like four boxes. And so I go eat a couple slices. I actually, so here's the thing is I'm a very basic pizza person. I just like, like, I think a pepperoni pizza is the way pizza is supposed to be. Now, you know, sometimes you throw like some sausage on it, whatever. Um, but for the most part, just pepperoni guy, they send like four boxes of pizza and they're all different pizzas. So you get like a piece of the pepperoni, but you know how pepperoni pizza works. Everybody, that's the one they all go for when you get like that and then other pizzas. Um, so you wind up with the second piece, you like try new things. And I just had the, it's a pepperoni with these green peppers and uh, and, and these mozzarella balls. So on top of like the normal cheese, they just throw these mozzarella balls on there and they kind of like melt a little bit, but not a lot. And it's really, really good. Um, and I think that actually, if that's the pizza they send again, I might have to, uh, get my hands on that same one. So sexy pizza, it's awesome stuff. And through at least four more days, let's see if this is updated. Um, so, so if you use the code DNVR AVS, DNVR AVS, no space at uh, www.sexy.pizza, you'll get 15% off your order. Um, right now that's going through June 12th. I know we're checking to see if they're going to extend it because, um, they, they made the final, the playoffs are not ending on the 12th. So, so I'll let you know on that, but at least for a few more days through the, through the weekend, I believe the 9th, 10th, 11th, 12th. Yep. Yep. Through the weekend, www.sexy.pizza. You get 15% off. Um, they've got four Denver locations, one in Trinidad, you know, all that stuff. This is not your first time listening. All right. Um, into this football game. So here's a fun fact. Like I said, 
I was going to get this written today, but then I wound up being surprisingly busy. There's just things that pop up throughout the day. Um, I went to get my hair cut, had my whole day planned around getting my hair cut at four. But then my barber was like, hey, I can get you in at three if you want. And I was like, sure, why not? Um, and so I went in there early. And so then like I didn't get to the gym before. I was going to be gym, shower, haircut. And I'm going to see that Top Gun movie tonight, the new one, which I'm pretty fired up about as well. Um, but instead, things got shifted around. And actually, more relevant part of the story, uh, Mustafa was in there. I had a chance to go catch up with Mustafa again. I think last time he was in there, we there was like a home run derby. Or we, we had like a little home run derby. Barbara has an Xbox when you're sitting in the chair. It's a, it's a good spot. Um, but he beat me in that. Today he won in Fortnite while I was sitting there. One game, just bang. I was like, wow, that's really good. Um, but I had a chance to catch up with him, which is always good. But uh, what else? I think we don't need to go down the barber path anymore. Um, but yeah, didn't have a chance to write all that stuff. Uh, also, the Nikhil stuff. Got to write about the Nikhil thing. Um, so, um, yeah, that's going to be up tomorrow. The point of this two-minute ramble was to say that typically I pull some things out of the written part. Um, and this is not going to be pulled off of anything. This is going to be freaking chaos. So I'm excited about that. Um, let's just kind of, let's, let's start by just running through kind of what happened in this game. And I guess we might as well start with the, the big details, you know, Colorado lost the game. It was 35 to 13. Um, what was it? It was 14 to three at half. Why does it say that? I, is, well, actually that was right. I was thinking of the last game when Minnesota missed the extra point. I've been watching a lot of football, but yeah, 14 to three, uh, at the half. Um, the Buffs actually score a touchdown on their first drive of the second half, get it to 14-10, give up an immediate touchdown afterward, 21-10. And when, you know, you wait all game for that touchdown, you're like, oh, shit, here we go. You know, this is like the a &M game. This is, these games are low scoring. You, you go get that touchdown, broke the seal. Okay, one more touchdown. That might be enough to win it. Defense immediately with the letdown drive and just the, the team never recovered from there. Um, I'll say that, you know, there, there were some weird things that happened at the end. Um, you know, 35-13, is that fair for the way the game went? I'd say it felt more like 30-13, 28-13. Um, does it really matter? Not at all. Not at all. Because you lost by 20-plus points. A theme, a theme in the season, it turns out. But this is getting dark. This is getting dark. Um, just want to give you the big picture stuff so that we could jump back in at the top here and talk about how we got there. Um, you know, I, I think the story of the first few drives was just field position. It was, it was simply field position. Um, Arizona State, they, the returner trips on the opening kickoff. They started their own 15. Um, but... They ran a little play action. The defense gets all sucked in. It seems like a defense that was used to playing Minnesota the week before and stopping the run. And just immediately, like, the, the tight end just kind of leaks up the the line of scrimmage. Jaden Daniels drops it in over the top. There's two hands in his face. Just drops it in over the top, again, at the line of scrimmage, and he runs for 27 yards. So you have this awesome start from the 15. That happens. Um, couple, couple things that I didn't love, you know, they show up in that base three, four defense, not in like their, their nickel look where they bring in the star, um, against a spread against a spread look where there's, you know, running back in the backfield. And I can't remember if it was 
two by two, two receivers on each side or three on one, one on the other. Point is they were just mismatched a little bit. Got away with it, actually. Winds up, there's like a third and five. Tyron Taylor is one-on-one on the outside. They throw a fade, and Tyron has incredible defense. And this was kind of the start of him stepping in and playing a significant role. You remember Chris Miller went down against um, against Minnesota, and Tyron Taylor appears to be the, the man they, they tabbed to be his replacement going forward. Um, and you're, again, you watch the season. He held that job down, although he did wind up moving into the slot, and those sorts of things. But this is a good play, starts things out. Um, and uh, Arizona State punts. Again, you had that awesome start. They get to punt from pretty close to the 50. They kick it. It's a touchback. Buffs get the ball. Um, do Again, we're not going play-by-play play through this whole game, um, but, you know, they, they run the ball. It's under center, ace, tight ends on both sides. Um, just a straight-up 4-3, except that the linebackers are shaded just a little bit to the right. You know, the the... Middle linebackers lined up probably over like the guard on the right side, and so when you have a a stretch run, you you would think you'd run it to the side that just has that slight advantage, but instead they run it to the heavier side. Doesn't work. Um, you know Frank Phillip got mauled on that play. Brendan Rice tried to block the wrong guy. Um, that guy wound up making the play. Jarek probably have cut it back and made it work. He did not. Um, again that that. The right, left side of the field was kind of wide open. They were shaded to the right. Take a couple steps to the right, cut back. All of a sudden, that might be better than calling the play to the left in the first place, you know? Um, but again, it's just like structural problems that caused the first one to fail. Um, then on the the next play, uh, you know, we're going to talk about Brady a lot in this game, which is crazy because he didn't catch a ball. But, uh, you know, the, the second down... He has the block on the left side, and he's able to to turn the the defensive end so that his back is facing the sideline. Like, it's a really great block. Brady manhandles him, but everything on the inside blows up. Colby Purcell, Casey Roddick, they both miss their blocks, and uh, so then Jarek has to bump it outside instead of where it's supposed to go, and all of a sudden, because Brady has turned his man outside to open up this hole... He's in actually good position because he can just turn around and make the tackle. Um, so, again, it's just these sorts of things where Brady did a great job, but it all actually made things worse because everybody else struggled. Um, then third and eight, there's a blitz up the middle. There's a sack, and then on top of that, there's a holding that was declined. Ugly stuff. Um, and because of that, the Buffs have to punt from... The, it's a 49-yard punt, 17-yard return. Um, and it, it winds up that Arizona State gets a start at the Colorado 45. So this is a lot of words, probably too many words to get to the point. Um, but again, just wanted to paint the picture a little bit early on of, of kind of what's happening in this game. It's those sorts of failures that are that are making the running game struggle. Um, and on top of that, again, it's that field position shift where, sure, Arizona State starts with a, a terrible field position, their own 15. But... They get into position to punt for a touchback, and then the Buffs lose seven yards. Then they give up a 17-yard return, and all of a sudden, you you have this great defense that you need to lean on to 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 win these games. And instead, you wind up giving the ball to Arizona State at your own 45. 
which we don't love. You know, I mean, that, that's just a bad position to start in. Um, and so, again, we'll do, we'll, I guess we can stick with this drive a little bit. Um, what do we have for notes here? Uh, do, 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 do. Great tackle for loss from Christian Gonzalez. Um, then you get a little chuck, check down to the running back. Third and seven. Buffs almost get out of it. Terrence Lang has a sack. His hand gets the front of the jersey, gets the side of the helmet, gets the face mask, drags him down by the face mask. And uh, that's uh, that's not allowed. And so you give him the free first down, what could have been a sack. And again, I mean, those are the types of plays. There are actually two penalties for Terrence in this game. There was a roughing the passer. There was a pretty weak call because um, he doesn't wrap up. He doesn't bring him down. He just happens to, like, push him into a lineman. And then he stumbles five fe- steps forward and falls over. It's like this felt a little bit floppy. And even with the flop, with him going to the ground, it's a it's a... 50-50 call for giving the refs the benefit of the doubt. Um, but, you know, it's it's a play like this where you say Terrence only had, what, half a sack? One and a half sacks? One sack? Half a sack? Something like that this season? This is a play that could have ticked that up one more. Um, which, you know, does that mean you count it differently? No, but it, it's a piece that you have in your mind. Uh, so you give, him, you give him that spark. Then they hit the running back out of the backfield, and that's a 15-yard gain. Um, then you have, uh, Nate miss a play in the backfield. Um, again, it's a tough, tough tackle, but he doesn't bring him down. And because of that against a good team, you just kind of need to, to make those tackles. That's a nine yard gain. And pretty quickly there you have a Jaden Daniels scramble run for a touchdown. Um, six plays, 45 yards after you could have finished them with Terrence Lang. And that's with that terrible field position. Um, yeah, I think. That was too much time we've spent on these first three drives. But again, it's, what, are, what else are we going to do? What else are we going to do today? Um, all right. We're going to speed things up as we go through this. Um, over the course of, I mean, after that, Buffs have a six-play, eight-yard drive. Do the math there. It's not great. Um, during that drive, you know, there's a third down. Um, third and eight, and it feels noteworthy that they converted it. Um, oh, Chase Lucas had a great pass breakup on the next third down on that sixth play before they had to punt. Um, it was it was on Dimitri Stanley at the sticks, um, and, and and I highlighted that because I think it's a good place to start the conversation on Dimitri Stanley. You know, we talked a little bit in this last podcast about Minnesota about how you know Christian Gonzalez, Makai Blackman, those are good corners. And when they go up against elite guys, they're going to lose more often than not. That's not a matchup that you love. We saw that with Drake London. We saw a little bit of that with Chris Ottman-Bell, although that's more of a fair fight. And um, honestly, the Buffs probably got the better half of that if you don't include the Chris Miller blown coverage on the big play. Um, So, or not even blown coverage. There was a push-off. He was in decent position, if not for that. Just not a guy who fights through push-offs, you know? He's not, not the strongest DB. So... When you talk about Christian and Makai, those are guys who you kind of bet on when they're going up against a good receiver. When they're going up against a great receiver, no. Um, with Dimitri, when he goes up against a good cornerback, and that's what Chase Lucas is, I think, did he wind up with the Patriots? He was a late-round pick. Um, oh, he went to the Lions. Seventh-round seventh, seventh pick to the Lions. Just to put a little perspective in it. You know, Chase Lucas wins that matchup. Chase Lucas wins that matchup. Um, so when we talk about replacing Dimitri Stanley, we've talked about this a little bit. We talked about more during spring ball, 
Um, but how big of a downgrade is it from Dimitri Stanley to Chase Penry this season? Because I do think it's a downgrade, although I do know that the hype is for real. There's there's a lot of people within CU who are very excited about what Chase Penry can do. Um, still, this season, it's probably a slight downgrade, but I don't know that it's a massive downgrade. I think the, the bigger loss is Dimitri as, as a returner. Um, and I guess that does come up later on, but uh, again, we're just when we're trying to put these players in perspective, where they fit in, that that's where I feel Dimitri is, um, and where I think Chase is as well. Uh, big old punt. What was the distance on that fifty-five yard punt? Um, anything in there? Big run from Jaden Daniels. Uh, Quinn Perry gets beat on a screen block that goes for first down. Makai had a good pass breakup. Nigel had great coverage on a play downfield. Um, and the Buffs get the ball back. There, there was a good throw. I, this is one I remembered in going back and watching. Some of these plays you remember, some of them you don't. One I remember is uh, Brendan hitting Montana on the sideline for a first down. And the ball just barely gets over the fingertips of the DB. Like, he jumps the route. And, you know, you kind of you give him a little bit of credit for, you know, for the ball. But you do wonder, like, did he not see this guy? Did he know that he had to put it right there? But what happened was it was a perfect pass. And so, you know, there's plenty of times where we say, Brendan, you screw that one up. That's one he got right. And it was a great catch because it was a high ball for Montana, too. Um, play worth bringing up, I think. Uh, do do Brady. Let's let's get to this here. Brady springs eleven yard run to set up third and one. Brady makes block to get first on next play. Those those are what the notes say. Brady, maybe the best player in this game. Um, for for CU, there were some good performances on the other side of the ball, of course, or uh, other sideline, I guess I should say. But Brady played really well despite not catching a football. Um, he it it seemed like every run that worked. Brady was very involved. There were times where he did well to block a defensive lineman, kind of hold him in place. There were plenty of times where he was clearing guys out. Like like I mentioned earlier, turning them, pushing them out of the way, creating massive holes. Um, this this was a Brady-Lewis game, and I, I think the bus leaned into that, ran behind him. I wonder, I guess, I wonder, can I see how often... This, is, this would have been better research beforehand... We're going with it. So I'm going to go to Brady Russell's pro football focus play. They actually graded him as the worst offensive player. How? What are they looking at? Does he have a drop or something? <laughs> That's why we don't trust the pro football focus grades. Um, I wanted to see. Let's see. So Brady Russell snaps by position. Is it going to tell us if he's right tight end or left tight end? Um, so week four, eh, it's 25 on the left, it's 22 on the right, that's eh, not all that valuable, that's not all that valuable at all, because I want to see if they're running to his side more often than not, but it felt like they absolutely were, um, again, he's doing it different ways, like there's zone blocks, um, there's, there's pole blocks, there's blocks where it, it's kind of that, what do you call it, like a s- split zone almost, where the the whole offensive line, like if he's on the left, whole offensive line blocks left. They reach out to the left. He cracks back across the formation, cleans up the guy who's left on the right. Um, typically, sometimes you get that like cutback lane right next to it. 
If not, you got some momentum going the other way. Um, but but he's doing everything. And I think that, that one where he sprung for an 11-yard gain, let me double-check. I didn't write in the notes. I'm pretty sure that was one of those kind of split-zone type looks. Um, but it was really good stuff. Um, from there, Brendan has a 35-yard run. Um, again, it's it's the running game that's getting things going. Um, and, and because of that, the they, they kind of committed to that run. And so when Brendan pulled it, it's, it was a scramble up the middle. But you could tell that they were committed to the run. They were sending guys. They were following where they thought the strength of formation was. And then a, a, a lane opened up. And like I said, 35-yard run. But what it makes you think of is the way that the Arizona State offense worked. Um, because starting, I mean, there wasn't a whole lot of it early on, but basically from this point in the game onward, it was all short game. It was all short game. You know, the read options, where they'll 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 start running the ball well, and they did in the second half in particular. Um, not, not particularly well at all in the first half, um, but... In the second half, they ran the ball well. When you start running the ball well, all of a sudden the read option is going to be there because the defense is going to be paying attention to the running back and kind of forget about the quarterback. Um, the screen games that they can run, RPO screen games, normal spring screen games, there's just little, you know, they'll, they'll run a screen where it's like a flare from the inside guy in like a tight bunch formation. So you've got three receivers just lined up right next to the offensive line, and they'll also have the two outer guys block and kind of run out to the left and block with the one behind him to catch and kind of run. and It's almost like sweep-like in how it works. But but just the creativity in the screens looks good. And to be fair, there were some screens that Colorado ran that also were, were creative and, and well put together, I thought. But because the execution isn't so good, it doesn't really matter. And, and and because of that, you know that there's so many bad things that can happen on those. It's, it seems like you're not being the defense. The defense isn't overcommitting to the run. You just don't get to run as many of those. Um, so I don't put that on coaching so much. Although on the Arizona State side, I do. Because because they played all that really well. Uh, I want to see if I can pull up. I'm going to pause this real quick and see. So according to Pro Football Focus, the, let's see, Jaden Daniels, the quarterback for Arizona State, he completed 18 passes and seven of them were screens. So seven screens, 11 that weren't screens. That's a pretty pretty solid amount. Um, this has him nine of nine behind the line of scrimmage and nine of 16 downfield. Like just past the line of scrimmage is a better way to put it. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's what they're doing. And, and it's because again, the, the running game is working well. They can play the quick stuff. They did hit the buffs deep ish a couple times just to keep them honest. There was a great uh, hole throw like the, to the sideline, um, in between the zone defenders, like 15 yards downfield, just a great touch throw. Christian Gonzalez played it honestly pretty well from underneath. Cause there's a guy underneath the cover. He has to drop back to where the receiver is just over his hands. Like it's a, they did some of that as well, um, but you know it was a uh, very focused on near the line of scrimmage plays that aren't all that risky, and um, again that's what you do when you play a Colorado team where you know in, th- in this game fourteen points would have won it right and things play out differently if if you uh, are in a close game maybe the Buffs are able to pull some points out they're fired up whatever but in this game fourteen points beats the Buffs. 
And in the game before, eight points beat the Buffs or would have beaten the Buffs against Texas A&M. So Arizona State knew this coming in. Um, I also think there might have been – I wish I could split these because it seemed like early in the game they went a little bit deeper. Maybe it was to keep them honest, really. But, um, yeah, and all that stuff, the read options, the RPOs, um, that's where Arizona State did the bulk of its work. Um, And and for the most part, like I said, like the – not a bad performance at all from the Colorado defense. It's easy to look at 35 and say, ooh, ugly. But then you remember, you know, first play, four plays and a punt. Uh, or sorry, first drive, four plays and a punt. Then they give up the touchdown on the, the short field with the penalty. Um, then five plays, punt. Seven plays for a touchdown. Um, six plays, punt. They run out the half after that. I guess you have the touchdown there. So they are giving up touchdowns in half these. Forced the punt in six plays after that. Not the best performance we saw from the Colorado offense, but the big thing was the running quarterback. What were these numbers? I saw seven for 75 and two touchdowns for Jaden Daniels. That's a good day. That's a real good day, especially when you're 18 and 25 for 235 passing, 236 passing. That's a good day. Um, See, yeah. Um, Let's let me make sure. Let's let's finish up the defense here. Um. Carson Well, uh, oh, Jack Lamb. Uh, Jack Lamb, um, he had a nice, like, lined up at, at, at linebacker, I think playing a zone, um, but they hit the receiver outside, and he had really nice burst to to catch him and bring him down, and that really stood out there. Um, later on, though, and hopefully I took a note, yeah, um, Lamb not quite fast enough in coverage is what I wrote. Great. Great work with that note. I don't remember the exact play, but I do remember him. It was a processing thing. Actually, I th- it might have been man as well. It, you saw kind of why he he's a bit of a tweener. You know, the coverability on that play kind of stood out where he's like, that. you got to be better at that if you're going to be a little bit light to be playing in the box. Um, and, and This just came to mind. Um, I remember... Oh, who was it? I think it, oh I think it was Mister I think it was Mister Williams it might have been Marvin Ham I think it was Mister saying that the linebackers have kind of decided that they want to be lighter this year you know focus on speed they're all trying to cut just a little bit of weight um, and and I remember hearing that I, oh I think I think it started with Robert and that's that was the surprising part for me because Robert honestly like a little bit undersized for a linebacker converted safety and I guess it's college football you get away with being lighter there um, but when you look at the other linebackers that Colorado has I mean Quinn Perry that's a big guy I'm not sure what he's listed at but he's he's got some bulk to him and I do think that if he was in a little bit better shape he could do more you know he, he I don't I don't think he needs all of that weight to be successful in between the tackles. They have him listed as 6'2", 245. Um, but Mr. Williams, in that same vein, I think that kind of the next step in his development is probably to to cut down just a little bit. And they have him at six foot 250, um, which, again, that's been kind of the style of linebacker at Colorado. But then when you see guys like Marvin Ham, Robert Barnes, um, Josh Chandler Samedo, when he gets on campus, I imagine he fits that. I mean, we know that he's a little bit smaller, whatever, 5'11", 236, something like that. Um, 226, now that I think of it, 226. Um, but that does stand out. Um, just a thought I had when watching this game. But uh, defensively, 
Lamb caught in the wrong hole. That was the final one. Uh, it was a counter run, but the runner kind of cut back. So when you run that counter, you pull you, at least your guard and usually your tackler center too. Um, he read the pull and went to where the pullers were going, but because that kind of left the hole, and so the hole that the lineman pulled out of was open because that was his job, and the play's not supposed to go there. But because it is there, you you wind up cutting back as the running back. Um, so just stuff like that. Um, and he got held a little bit. Probably wasn't going to make the play anyway. Um, it's been a lot of Jack Lamb talk. Let's make sure there's nothing else. Um, some, uh, you know, a, a up and down game for Mark Perry. Uh, he got blocked a little bit. You know, he, he. I think that's probably what stood out the most. Is first of all, he's making tackles. He's doing those things um, that that you know, made him him last season. He's solid in coverage, wasn't great in man coverage, went down in the slot a couple times and tried to guard guys, got beat. Um, but solid in those deep zones. Um, in the running game, you know, he did make some tackles. Let's see if we have a number here. Yeah, eight tackles, second most on the team, one for a loss. The one for a loss kind of lined up on the edge. I think it was a play that started at the Arizona State 5. So you're thinking safety there. He he does well to kind of hide to not just run in and scare the running back away. Running back cuts back that side. Mark takes him down for what should have been probably two three yard loss, but the count is a one yard loss. Um, but like I said, blocker gets to him. He can't get off the block. What do you expect from a safety? Um, you know, Tyron Matthew gets off of blocks, but you know it is what it is. Um, so there, there is that. There's there's the Mark pot thoughts. Um, Quinn, again, kind of up and down. One note that I remember, uh, it felt like Nate Nate always gets a tackle attempt off. I wouldn't be surprised if, if he kind of racked up the missed tackles in this game. I mentioned one earlier, but but they're just things like you probably shouldn't be able to make that tackle. You're very obviously blocked. Like You should be blocked. They, they were intentionally, like there's a pull blocker there designed to take you out. Um, but he's able to kind of do enough to at least get to a guy's ankles, um, at least slow him down a little bit. Um, on two missed tackles is what... Uh, or no, that's for Sami. No, 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 that's for Lamin. That's for Lamin. Two missed tackles in the game. Felt like they could have counted one or two more. Maybe they did give him the benefit of doubt on a couple of those where it's like, eh, you probably shouldn't make that play. Uh, but the difference that stood out there is that Quinn Perry doesn't get those attempts off. You know, he does just get blocked a little bit more. Um which again, I mean, is that true this year? Who knows? Um, but that was a thought that I had in going back and watching. Um, boo, boo, boo. I think that might be it for the defense. Terrence Lang again, just a little bit slow to realize where the play is occasionally. You know, he'll be he'll be fighting to go where he's fighting to go to get to his gap when there's already been a cutback, and it's like you could probably just follow that back out the other way. Um, Plays with his head down just a little bit um, would be a note. I think we've talked about that a little bit before. Um, yeah. Screens are killing CU is a note. That's it. That's it for the for the defense. Let's move into the rest of this offensive stuff, get into some details. Um, in terms of the offensive line, I'm not – Kari Kutch had a good game. You know, you were never – I didn't even realize he was playing until the second half. 
just because I didn't, I probably should have taken a note of who's on the line, but I know that we know that already. Like we know who the starters are. We can look at the snap counts and see who came in. Um, but, but I, of course, Kari's playing like he's a starting guard, but when you're looking at these plays and saying, Oh, why didn't that work? It's like, oh, Kari didn't come up. I don't remember him making any great blocks either. You know, Brady stood out. Um, but outside of that, like everybody's blowing things in different places. I mean, it wasn't like the worst game for the offensive line. I should say, um, let's see what these numbers are. 44 carries, 183 yards. So what is that? 183 over 44. A little over four yards per carry. So not a bad day. Um, it was just kind of, it worked and it didn't work. It worked and it didn't work. It, there were battles. It felt like when it didn't work, those were louder than when it did work. Um, so we can say that. But, uh, yeah. Um, oh, there's my notes. There we go. Um, what else do I have? Brent Rice trying to block the wrong guy. We talked about that. Um, Dimitri, we got through that. Brady, we've spent plenty of time on. Oh, Daniel Arias. Daniel Arias. I don't know that he had a catch. But I remember thinking if he had one catch. No, he didn't have one catch. I remember thinking if he had one catch, he would be one of my three stars of the game. Um, only There were only seven catches for Colorado in the game. Uh, the the long one was 26 yards to Ty Robinson, and that was a jet sweep. Um, <laughs> which, But you throw it, you toss it forward to him as he runs by. Um Demetrius Stanley had two catches. Brendan Rice had two catches. Everybody else had one or less. Um, but Daniel Arias did draw two pass interference calls on balls downfield. They just had to hold him. Um, which again, it's, you wish that you had 40-yard gains on those. Um, but taking 15 on each, I mean, if you count those as two catches for 30 yards, all of a sudden he's easily your leading receiver. Um, but that, I think, is noteworthy. On that Ty Robinson jet sweep, um, it was a great play by him. He deserves a whole bunch of credit for that. I mean, 26 yards. Oh, Brendan had that 33-yard run. Um, but other than that, biggest play of the day for Colorado. And the way it worked was he followed Jarek. Jarek kind of played as a lead blocker, and uh, he did not do well in his job. They're just like, okay, here it comes. Going to make that block cut up field. Nothing but space in front of him. Instead, Jarek keeps running to the sideline and double teams the guy Brady's blocking. They're like, yeah. That was a that was a decision. You could see Ty like getting ready to cut and then realize that Jarek was not doing that and kind of back off a little bit. That guy that he should have blocked, which in in clear space, like wide open, like there's nobody in the slot, like that's big space right there. Ty makes a miss, brushes off another guy, turns up field, follows Brady again. Great game for Brady. Did not need help on that block, I should add. Um, and uh, 26 yard gain. So props to him on that. Um, first big play maybe. For Ty Robinson of the season, I'm trying to remember. I don't think there were any big ones in the Northern Colorado game, and if they were, they were late. Um, some throwaways, some pressures. Um, Robinson couldn't make a tough play on a ball on a third and eight. Um, it was kind of underthrown. He had to come back, but it's one where you want to see him on his feet instead of he was kind of on the ground playing low. It's like you got to sprint back to that ball. Um Oh, here's another, here's a fun little storyline. So Colorado, let's let's just run through how many yards they got. So uh, lost seven yards on the first drive, gained eight yards on the second drive. Then they had a, a drive in which they missed a field goal. It was a weird thing. Cole Becker left it short from 46, like halfway into the end zone short. Like that 
would have been good from 30. Not 35, though. Maybe not even 32. So I don't even think anybody got a piece of it. There was pressure coming. Did he rush? I don't know. Um, but on that drive, uh, Alex Fontenot kind of carried the load. 11-yard run. Next play, three. Then for one. Then Brendan had the big run. And Brendan had another run. Then I guess no game. All right, let's think of the next one. I was thinking the one they actually scored on. Um, yeah, that's where Fontenot took over. Uh, 15 yards. Um, and then he runs for four. And then for two. And then incomplete pass. And incomplete pass. Then two. How are they still on the field? Oh, there was a completion between those. There we go. Um, but the point is, oh, and then after half, he kind of carried the load. So so he kind of heated up through all that, starts to really contribute. But then after that is when Jarek starts to get going. That's when Jarek starts to run the ball well. And it's almost like he saw, like, oh, Alex is just doing things on his own, even if it isn't perfect blocking. I need to do the same thing. And then he starts breaking tackles and things. And you're like, okay, why weren't you doing this the whole game? Like, were you not motivated? I- I'm not sure what it was. Um, Jarek finished with 12 for 35. Alex finished with 14 for 65 and a touchdown. Um, Alex was one of my three stars. Um, any other offensive note? There were plays where Jarek did it all on his own. I should say that. Oh, Ashad. Ashad had a great first run. A great first run. Did did all the things. Like he looks quick. He's cutting quick. He, he has that Melvin Gordon, like when he changes directions, he can just all of a sudden he's like over there and he's like, huh, okay. Which is a thing I was going back and watching the Broncos Chargers game from late in the year. Both were late, I guess. The home one. Um last night. And just watched the first half of that and that stood out. And seeing a shot, I saw some similarities there. Um but the physicality, um, the second run he had was a third and one, which like he sh- could have probably stayed on his feet, but he kind of he he leaned forward too much too in this game. Um, it just meant like he kind of fell forward for three yards, and it's like you stay on your feet there, just stay on your feet. Um, but I mean that's two good runs, two successful runs on his first two plays, um, and then. Because of that, the defense is leaning in. And this is all late. Like I think Arizona State's kind of expecting him to run the clock out. Um, but then you have the end around to Brendan, which I think... Oh, they have one rush for 15 yards. So that wasn't one of his catches, thank God. Um, but one for 15, which is opened up because you have a shot there doing good things. Um, play after that, it's a read option. And Brendan made the right read. Like The edge was vacant. It was a solid run. I, th- I didn't write down what it was, but it was like five, six yards. I remember the play. There was more if he'd given it to a shot. Still like the the right read, but you see things lining up, and there was just a shoot for a shot to go through. Um, went down too easy on the next one, and uh, again it's that forward lean where it's like you got out in front of yourself and just kind of toppled over. It's like just sit back, be patient. Like you think of like Le'Veon Bell is always moving around. Saquon kind of has that same thing where he like sits back a little bit so you can burst um, and and see what's going on, then cut. But it just seems like Ashad's, like he's just waiting to be leaning up into a linebacker. Like he's waiting to just be trying to drive a linebacker back is what it kind of looks like. He's just forward, forward, forward. It's like, no, sometimes you need to sit back and find the space and then go to it. Um, But I I think he finished seven carries, 29 yards, um, which I guess is over four yards per carry. Um, But that was, uh, that was good, good stuff from him, I thought. I'm not sure we saw him again. 
Well, I guess we'll see when we talk about the USC game next week. I'm going to cheat. No, we didn't see him again all year. Um, and the ESPN page for him is a picture of... I want to say that's... Uh, oh, it's not Jack Estera. Uh, Michael, Michael Harrison. I think it's Michael Harrison is his picture on ESPN, which is a fun thing. Um, but yeah, that was it. Finished 20 carries, 84 yards. 4.2 yards for carry. I thought he looked good. I thought he looked good when he played. Um, yeah. Uh, again, Darian Hagen eventually said, like, he, he's a guy who needs to feel perfectly healthy to go. I do think that the, the story was he was banged up. I think late in the season he knew he could save it as his redshirt year. It's whatever. Um could he have gotten more opportunities? I think, yes, Ashad Clayton could have, should have gotten more opportunities last year. Wasn't perfect, but did some things really well. Um, again, if, if that was his call, which is what it sounded like, to not go more, what can you do, right? But, yeah. Um, last point here, and this is back to the defense. Sorry, um, but at the very bottom I wrote, I like the way Marvin moves. He's shifty. He's quick twitch. I remember the play that I wrote that about. Um, he He's obviously like lined up off the ball. I think over the center is like a mic almost. Reads the runs so well, but it's kind of like, oh, he takes a step that way, so Marvin is taking that same step, mirroring him at the same time, but while closing in on the line of scrimmage. Um, another step, and he's doing the same thing while closing in. He almost he almost moves like one of those spiders, you know, those little tiny spiders where it's just like when they move, it's like little burst, little burst, little burst. And that's what Marvin does, just really quick. And it seemed like he was, I don't know, if processing is the right word, but reading, see, using his eyes to to follow where the the play is going and meeting him there. Um, I also think, yeah, he finished with the fourth highest. Uh, Pro football focus grade on the defense for Colorado. Um, I wanted to see, let's see if I can, okay, defense in general. Yeah, or no, sorry. Oh, no, he finished number one overall. That was as a run defender. He finished with the best. Again, he played six snaps. So that's, uh, th that, that tackle I was talking about was his only tackle. Um, but in those six snaps, he played really well. I, I might as well hit these, but number two, Tyron Taylor, who played nine snaps in that game. So, like I said, like it was a good showing for him. Also, they have Brady Russell with the worst game of anybody on the offense, which is simply wrong, but it is what it is. Um, they did great his blocking out pretty well, I guess, so we'll give him that. Um, that's going to do it for today. I don't know how this lasted this long. It did, though, and I've got Top Gun to go see in one hour and that's up halfway to Boulder. So I've got to jump in the shower. Again, got my haircut today. Important showers after haircuts. And uh, we'll talk again tomorrow. I'm actually going to probably record two podcasts tomorrow because I'm going to be gone Friday. No idea what we're talking about. Maybe we'll knock out another game. It's going to be tough to do, though. It's going to be a busy day. I've got the Broncos pod tomorrow morning, too. So like I said, that'll do it. We'll see you guys tomorrow.